from down under. Do or do not. There is no try. Get out, man. Hey, you Welcome back to the one, the only, Fantha from Down Under on Fantha Tracks Radio. I'm your host, Adam O'Brien, and welcome to 2019, the year of Episode 9, and supposedly the end of the Skywalker part of the Star Wars saga. So, Happy New Year, and I hope you enjoyed your holiday break back in uh, 2018 through to now, 2019. And I hope you enjoyed your New Year's. Well, out here in Australia, it's absolutely stinking hot. That's right. Humidity is right up there at 100%. And we are enjoying some of the summer out here. We can say that's quite uh, uncomfortable kind of weather for us out here in uh, December usually. Through to January, it is the hottest time of the year. And um, we've got highs of almost 35 to 40 degrees some days. So... You can imagine we're spending a lot of the time inside and watching films. And, of course, watching Star Wars. That's right. Keeps you cool. Especially if you're watching Hoth. Somehow it has a radiating effect of making you feel cooler. (laughs) Uh, On tonight's episode, we have Mooncat Drums back. That's right. Carl Bayless for part two of his chat from last year. And also joining me is Blair Hiscock of By Saga to chat a little bit of Star Wars. All here on the Fanta from Down Under. Joining us next is the one, the only, Carl Bayless, who, of course, is a regular on Fanta tracks and is a dear pal right here when it comes to music. That's right, we're going to talk a little bit of music and a little bit of Star Wars for part two of our chat with Mooncut Drums here at Fanta from Down Under. Martin Keeler, who we keep mentioning. What's the call this? The Martin Cast. The Martin um, Cast. <laughs> uh, he he uh, told me that Din was coming over to the UK and was looking to do some shows while he was over here. Um, so I... Uh, through some friends of mine who run uh, an open mic night at a venue local to me, um, was like, yeah, we can get him like a feature set. So he's, instead of the usual sort of three songs, 15 minutes, um, we, we can get him a, a longer set to, you know, showcase his music. You know, he's coming, he's coming from Canada at the end of the day. You know, <laughs> totally just give him the three songs and write you off. So. Um, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so he, he came he came up um, from London. He'd been stopping with Paul Bacon in London. Uh, he'd done a couple of shows in London. Came up to the Midlands. Uh, I was I was already playing the open mic with another of my bands. Um, so, as he came in, I was I was on stage. I came off, met him, had a chat, um, and and that's. It, other than sort of messages on social media and stuff, that was the first time I physically met him. And I'd said to him on social media, you know, if you want me to tap along on a couple of songs, you know, let me know. And he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the whole F105 
vibe is that you know, if I pick a people up along the way that can be part of the experience, then that's great for me. Mm. Um, and you know, hopefully enjoyable for them as well. So I start recounting exactly this story to him. And then, yeah, I didn't realise till I listened to a podcast, I didn't make the connection that you were the singer of the Rebel Force radio song <laughs> that led me to be in, uh, you know, sort of doing these jingles that turned me into a Phantom Tracker and through the connection with Martin, we've arranged this gig and now you're here and I ended up playing drums for the whole set for him. <laughs> there you go. Sixteen years of separation. <laughs> Unbelievable. In, uh, Star Wars fandom and music. It really is. There's something in the force there because it's definitely, um, you know, you, you don't get those sort of circles like that uh, when it's, you know, not something in the water. You know, like it's definitely, yeah. definitely um, something there. One of the great things too about it is um, I love that music is kind of like a language. You know, it's a language that only some get. Some understand, and um, that's one of the great things about jamming. It's kind of like the force. Music is the force. If you understand the force, you can go along with it. You can flow with it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like, you know, I've, I've got uh, the F-105 album. Uh, I knew the Rebel Force radio song. Um, there were a couple of other songs in there, but... Um, you know, it was it was literally a case of Jim turning around and going, okay, this one's sort of... And I'll, or he'd start playing a bit of guitar and I'd just sort of jam along. Um, and as I say, going back to my influences, that whole thing with not being... being more of a groove player uh, and having done the whole covers band thing, you, you generally tend to play more song-oriented than... Okay, mm. you want me to play, and I'm going to go round the drums yeah. fifteen times in the, in the first three bars. Um, you know, it's it, it it is it is. I'd like to think it's a bit of a skill um, because it, it's it's involving you listening to what's going on around you and reacting to that. Um, but yeah, it was uh, absolutely. Uh, Fantastic in terms of uh, just the experience of doing it and mm. um, the reaction that we got from the people in the room, which was very good. Um, I think it picked up a, a few new fans that night. Um, you know, people that were you know, now followed him on Facebook and that sort of thing, and, and sold a couple of CDs as well. So. You know, the, uh, the lifeblood of the touring musician. <laughs> <laughs> where's, where's tomorrow's breakfast coming from? Oh, thank you. You brought a CD. I can eat. <laughs> it's great. Um, great, isn't it? That sort of gypsy lifestyle where, you, you know, you pick up and you, you move to the next gig. And it's word of mouth because word of mouth always works better than any of these you butte new ways that they've been doing. You know, well, I think ever since American Idol, and they have all you know, yeah. you know, all these different reality TV things. Sure, some of those people and contestants are musicians uh, in their own right and stuff like that. But the music should really be the star, not so much the star. And that's why I think a lot of bands have stayed. Like 
you mentioned bands like Def Leppard and stuff like that. It's not their stage show that they're famous for. It is the music, yeah. and the music still holds up. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's there's um, uh, a, a guy, a guy again, from, uh, likely to me, um, like a Miles Hunt, who was the singer in uh, sort of 80s, 90s uh, band The Wonder Stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's currently embarking on a tour um, under the moniker of the custodian, and, and the whole sort of premise of that is uh, he he was uh, having a conversation. I don't know whether it was an interview or what with uh, Tom Robinson mm-hmm. with the Tom some band fame, and the subject came up about sort of the back catalogue of songs. You know when you you've been a musician for you know thirty or so years, and you're you know, constantly putting out new material. You've obviously got a wealth of back catalogue, and um, he, he posed the question to Miles. He said, "Who who owns your songs?" Mm. And so Miles went, "Well, I guess the publishing company of whoever it was at the time." And Tom Robinson went, "No, no, your fans own your songs." Ah. He said, you, you are merely the custodian of those songs and you deliver them. But people, people have fallen in love, got married, got divorced, had children, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, people have lived their lives with your music as the soundtrack. The songs belong to them. They, they give your songs the life. Mm. You, you are merely the vessel that brought those songs to them. So those songs now belong to those people because, mm. you know, your number seven hit from 1993 is the first song that 200 married couples dance to or, you know, things like that. So that song is an intrinsic part of their lives. So, so yeah, I... And, and that that kind of resonated with me as well. And uh, I don't th- I don't think I had that conversation with Dean. I must I must mention it to him. But it's that same thing. You you, you are responsible for creating the song, but it takes on a whole new life when it's out in the in the sort of public domain, as it were. I have to agree. You know, we're, we're sort of like, you know, we're, same thing with writing novels or movies. You know, um, people only let go of their work. I think that's what art, any artist does. You know, you create yeah. something, you let it go. Um, you know, I think the the biggest offender of holding on to it too long is probably George R. R. Martin of Game of Thrones, yeah. where yeah. he's had the Winds of Winter sitting there for I don't know how many years now, and even he's got mm. to the point where... I need to finish this. <laughs> you know, I guess yeah. he, he needs yeah. to be able to let it go. But, I mean, you know, yeah. and, and there's maybe it's something with George's because our George, George Lucas, of course, and he goes, well, I let it go and, you know, well, it wasn't quite what I wanted to do. And, he, you know, yeah. he, he even did it with THX. I mean, you know, he's one, one of those things, you know. And um, uh, interesting enough, an Australian podcast out here, um, Force Material, actually looked at uh, a painter recently and thought the same. Would you ever get somebody like, um, I think they said on Force Material, somebody like, you know, your Leonardo da Vinci or something like that, who grabs the yeah. painting back and 
goes, well, it's not quite what I thought the Mona Lisa should have been. It should be a bit more like this. And then puts it back out there. He goes, well, that's actually what I wanted. And then you're kind of like, hang on, that's not the Mona Lisa. So it's, you know, I think that same sort of thing with music and stuff like Once it's out, do we still own it? But we are Castonians, you know. It's interesting that. Now, one of the interesting things here with you on Fanta from Down Under is we want to get your input on where things are going to go in the next Star Wars film. Episode 9, what do you Ooh. want to see? What, what do I want to see in episode 9? Um, I'm, I'm going to steal a march on Martin again. <laughs> 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 Zuvio! <laughs> yes, he's, he's, he's brainwashed us all. He has, uh, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, I am... I, um, Again, to direct people to phantomtracks.com, my review of the novelization of Lost Jedi has uh, been posted uh, in the last day or so, as we record. And I I say that I'm one of the people that... I'm not totally in love with Last Jedi, but I'm not as polar as um, some people on... Oh, I love it. Oh, I hate it. And there are bits in there that I like. There are bits in there that I just thought I, I can kind of get, and especially now having read the novelization, um, where things like Mary Poppins uh, in space is done, or it's, it's described in a different way. Um, such that you don't get the the vision of sort of Superman flying off towards the uh, the blown up bridge of the Rados. And but I I actually quite liked the handling of Luke. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, so I know some people absolutely detest what they did. Oh yeah, I can. And again, the book adds a whole level of depth to that. Um, he's not just decided to take his ball away and stop playing. Um, he comes across as a very sort of tortured, beating himself up. Um, the book opens with a dream sequence where he's never left Tatooine. Um, and we sort of the whole sort of back, backdrop to the uh, the acto sequences is this sort of very tortured soul. You know, he's struggling to cope with his own failure, what he sees of the failure of the Jedi Order, um, you know, and he's he's really struggling to sort of say, well, you know, if I come back, you know, I can't put this right because. The Jedi, you know, the Jedi have consistently failed. Mm-hmm. You know, they failed to spot Palpatine. You know, they failed to survive Order sixty six and you know the creation of the Empire and everything else. So, I, in terms of where nine goes, I think I think there has to be, you know, the sort of clearly now Force Ghost. Yeah. Luke, um, I say clearly. Um, we, we were having a discussion the other week where perhaps he was force projecting himself onto Acto to force project himself <laughs> to Crate <laughs> so he could be somewhere else entirely um, 
This is the sort of late night conversations we have on fans tracks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, well, yeah, I, I, I hope they don't try and retcon too much and sort of go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, all of that was one reality that could have played out. However, this is where we go. I think. Um, and I've, I've been listening. I listened to a couple of the podcasts where they've been discussing. You know, do do we want Ray to be linked to the legacy character, or do do we actually do, does her story stand without her becoming part of that saga? You know, part of the Skywalker. You know, is is it actually the you know, sort of rise and fall of Anakin and then the rise and fall of Kylo and that's the end of the Skywalker saga. And um, you know, whether that then leaves Daisy open to you know coming back to do, you know, Ray the next generation, etc. somewhere down the line, then you know, that's that's one of the angles. Um I I just I just think you know they've got they've got JJ in JJ's good for look and feel, um, and I I think I think you know I don't think it's going to completely win back everybody that's been horrified by uh, the Last Jedi, but by the same token, I think it, it will, or I hope it will, uh, go some way to you know, addressing some of those issues, but. I'm actually more excited by the other things that are going on now. Um, you know, the uh, we talked about Game of Thrones earlier. Um, you know, the trilogy uh, that is supposedly being planned by them, which I think everybody uh, is is thinking is going to be basically Star Wars Game of Thrones. So you know, nice the old Republic era or something, yeah. something of that ilk. This is Mark Telfer on Fanta Tracks, down under. Well, he's going to be talking a little bit of, you know, Christian Hayden. Well, here you go down there. I've got a fellow Fanta, that's right. Somebody who is a bit of a collector, that's right. He collects things, Star Wars, and he customises them too. Coming all the way from Scotland. Guess who it is? It's Mark Telfer. Mate, how are you? I'm good, Adam. How are you? Oh, I'm not too bad. Are you the new, Jimmy? Ock, are you the new? <laughs> are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, good. Now, of course, you are a uh, fellow Fanta, doing some great Fanta work mm. over there. Tell us about your New Year's. My news? No, your New Year, 2019. My New Year? My New Year? I um, am. Yeah, it's just been quiet. Just had a quiet hog mini with the family and um, it was uh, all good, clean fun. How was yours? Oh, it was good. I, I, I slaved away working for the uh, the boss. <laughs> the boss, the boss man. The boss man, that's right. Now, tell us about what you think 2019 is going to bring you with episode 9, The Zuvio Awakens. Oh, I, I think the... I, I think the 
I've absolutely no idea. I've absolutely no idea. JJ uh, Abrams has got a, a big job in his hands um, trying to resurrect uh, the work that uh, Brian Johnson done. So I have absolutely no idea how he's going to do that. So I think it's an open an open book at the moment. But uh, I wish him every success with it because I'm hoping it's going to be a, a worthy uh, ending chapter of this trilogy. Will this be the Snap Wexley revenge film we want? It might be, might be, might manage to find a boiler suit big enough to get into and zip it right to the top and be quite quite content. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, this film is one that's going to wrap up three trilogies. That's right, not just the sequel trilogy. So, will we see the likes of um, you know who knows for the Force Ghost of um, Anakin, maybe? I, was, I mean, there's been rumours around Christian Hayden being involved, or Hayden, oh God, I'm getting myself all wrapped up in tape here, um, but there's been rumours of him um, making an appearance um, in some shape or form, but who knows if that's actually come to pass, but mm-hmm. one thing I'd really love to see would be uh, Billy D. Williams um, in some shape or form, just mm-hmm. to give us a nod back to the original trilogy. Because um, we're kind of devoid of original characters now, um, so it'd be good to sort of see him uh, finish his story too. Now, may I ask, was that Christian Hayden you said? <laughs> Christian Hayden, a brand new actor in the Star Wars saga. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, he he was. Um, I don't know what sort of force uh, perspective he had, but uh, I think he was a middleman or something, uh, a grey Jedi or somewhat. Mm, yes, very much so. Now, of course, Scotland has had so many great characters um, in, uh, that have been played by, uh, let's just say, some of the great actors from Scotland. Of course, we've had Ewan McGregor as the one, the only Obi-Wan Kenobi. We've also had Emperor Palpatine, who also is played That's by right. a great Scottish yep. actor, Ian McDiarmid. Yes, yes, indeed. Very fine actor. Um, very impressive in the prequels and uh, edited um, original trilogy. We've also got Dennis Lawson, Obi-Wan Kenobi, or Ewan McGregor's um, uncle, who was um, Wedge Antilles in the original trilogy as well. Um, but yeah, and then one or two others, like Lewis McLeod, and uh, who done the voices in um, uh, Phantom Menace. I think it was... Uh, if I'm right, it was Sub- not Sebulba. Was it Sebulba? Or uh, what? Sebulba. One, one of the three. One of, one of the three. I think he's... Sebulba wants he's his gonna bag. Sebulba. He's going to be... Sebulba will want his bag now. Thank you. And, uh, Thank oh, you, Mr. Lucas. Sebulba. <laughs> some of the Panther boys are going to be there as well. Um, yep. and girls possibly so thanks to catch up with them but uh, yeah yeah, a wee bit of a Scottish president don't forget Darth Maul with uh, Ray Park um, yeah, from oh, Glasgow the great, uh, the amazing Ray yeah. all the way from Glasgow I want to see him in the next Ooh. Braveheart Braveheart 2 Judgment Day <laughs> that last will reveal what's under our kilt aye Jimmy now you listen here Robert the Bruce come down to get you now Aye. And may I say too that uh, to all the Fanta trackers out there, and of course the team at Fanta, a very, very happy new year. And to you, Mark, too, and your family, we wish you a very, very 
Happy Fanta. Thank you, you too, Adam, and everybody out there. Hey, we're here is uh, going to be on Fanta Tracks talking customised figures with more and more. Well, say goodbye, Mark. Goodbye, Mark. Oh, yeah. Welcome to Fanta Tracks, the Fanta from Down Under, brought to you by the wonderful people at the one, the only Fanta Tracks Radio, believe it or not. That's right, with Mark Newbold and the gang. Well, joining us all the way from Brisbane in Australia is the co-host of My Saga Podcast and, of course, the amazing host of Pops Culture, the one, the only, Blair Hiscock. Pal, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? Happy New Year and Happy New Year to all our listeners. As an hour. May the force be with you for 2019. Yeah. And it's going to be a forceful year, I can tell. Very forceful. Oh, definitely, definitely. I'm really excited to um, have the year of, um, you know, 2019, Phil, not only with Star Wars, but um, obviously there's a lot of different um, things on the horizon for this amazing franchise. But anyway, how was your Christmas break? Uh, yeah, not too bad, mate. It, um, uh, a bit, bit hot, a bit warm, um, but uh, as it is here in Queensland. But uh, yeah, a bit of a quiet one, actually. We didn't have as many uh, family uh, uh, things going on that we usually do, so um, a little bit more of a laid-back one. So that, so that was good, and got to uh, catch up on a, uh, a few shows and movies that I've been wanting to. So, um, yeah, no, it was quite enjoyable. What about yourself? Well, we just had a very, very quiet um, you know, run of uh, Christmas dinner and stuff like that and catching up with uh, Rellies. We had um, my sister and her husband up from... Um, Sydney, and of course, any time they're away from Sydney, even if it's just a Newcastle, it's a holiday. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's awesome, mate. Yeah, so it's the time of the year, I suppose. We only get to see a lot of our relatives, uh, you know, uh, sparsely, so uh, we've got to make the most of it, hey? 100%. You'd use the time wisely. And of course, I came off uh, six weeks of uh, annual leave to head straight into the silly season in the retail market. So for me, Work wise, oh, right. oh, it was it was ridiculous. But um, have to say, with the closure of, um, particularly for for Star Wars fans, they all know the closure of the um, Toys R Us stores has, mm-hmm. I think, personally affected a lot of the Christmas for Star Wars merchandise because it's not as readily available in your big W's and Kmart's your targets as it used to be. Well, yeah, I mean, I I, I can sort of see that for a little while now you know i think i think since the last jedi really it's been a little bit poor mm-hmm. um but uh yeah I, you know as we know i think uh, retailers are a little bit scared at the moment uh after force awakens uh you know they were saturating the market and then being left with um mountains of stock you know i think that these days the retailers are a little bit more uh a little bit more timid when it comes to star wars unfortunately and uh uh, yeah, we're seeing that as well in uh, other stores over here, like your um, reject shops and your TK Maxxes and places like that, which are getting, uh, especially with the uh, the Black Series, you know, uh, getting um, a lot of the figures that uh, we've seen going for uh, silly amounts on eBay, and all of a sudden you can pick these figures up for, um, you know, 10 to $15. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's a little bit, little bit uh, sad for the Star Wars uh, merchandise market at the moment, here in Australia anyway. Definitely. I think, that, you know, at the end of the day, it's strong for um, the likes of uh, the local 
uh, developers that weren't with Toys R Us, obviously things like Mr. Toys, Toy Worlds, uh, taken yeah. off in that market because there's no competition now. You know, they really are, you know, the McDonald's of uh, that era. Mm, exactly. What What's that uh, new uh, toy place that's just opened up recently that seems to be wanting to fill Toys R Us's shoes? There's a few uh, places around. I know there's one down ah. your way, mate, down to the Gold Coast somewhere. But, okay. Uh, uh, down at Rabina, I think there's this new... Uh, toy shop I've seen advertised um, a few times and there's a few of them I know there's one down in Sydney and there's a couple in Melbourne but uh, I've been planning to get down and have a look at it but I just haven't got there yet and it looks like I might have to go and check this out for the fan to yeah. crowd uh, especially exactly. I think one, one of the things that Toys R Us themselves have been um, uh, had their locations picked up by 10 pin bowling places time yep. zone and even yep. now a karaoke bar Oh, really? Oh, I must head down there. Oh, that'll be uh, a worthwhile uh, replacement. I don't mind a bit of karaoke. Karaoke's fun, especially when we're singing Queen. Oh, definitely when you're singing Queen. I mean, who, who doesn't want to get up and strut around like Freddie Mercury? <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, folks, Blair is a huge fan of um, Freddie and, of course, the band Queen. But, I mean, as I am as well, I just love it. Uh, I think one of my favourite soundtracks, apart from Highlanders, uh, you know, the songs that are on that one, uh, I think the greatest for me is Flash Gordon to this day is my favourite yep. film soundtrack. Oh, d- oh, definitely. I mean, it, Flash was really the uh, the thing that got me back into Queen back into Queen back in the day. I remember I was about uh, 15 years old when I think Queen's Greatest Hits came out back in 1981. And um, I can still remember a friend of mine had a, a copy of it and uh, just hearing another one bites to death the dust played to death and I got a copy of it and then about you know, a month later on the school holidays I was in the city and uh, walked into a record shop and there for two dollars was the Flash Gordon soundtrack and um, so yeah I had to you know, buy that straight away because yeah being a big sci-fi fan seeing Flash you know the movie loved the music I uh, got the uh, bought the soundtrack and um, yeah from then on it was a love affair with uh, Freddie and the boys uh, from then basically so um, to this day yeah I love it. And, of course, Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, yep. not only one of the greatest songs, but now films out there. I know. It's amazing. And I, um, uh, you know, this has been coming for about a decade, and uh, I'm actually uh, heavily involved with a, a Queen tribute band here in Brisbane called Killer Queen. And uh, um, I can remember just uh, 10 years ago talking uh, to the members saying, you know, when this movie finally comes out, it's going to be really good for you guys. And uh, it has really proven to be. I mean, you know, they're always doing interviews and, and uh, their shows and that have increased basically tenfold since the movie's come out. So, uh, um, yeah, I, I, th- I think it's great. Uh, you know, whether or not you know, the stories are as accurate as a lot of people would, would like or whatever, it's just a, it was just a great time of the movies and just perfectly captured the magic of Queen and what they were and the power of Queen. And uh, Rami Malek's uh, performance as Freddie Mercury was really something to behold. I mean, you know, sure, he didn't look 100% like Freddie and uh, that, but he really captured the spirit of the man. And I was just, I was just really actually really happy with uh, how it's done. And, and yeah, big surprise at the Golden Globes the other night that bringing home the big gong, you know, I wasn't mm. expecting that at all. I was expecting maybe Rami to get Best Actor because he deserved it. Mind you, I hadn't seen any of the other performances that were nominated. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he just you know, was absorbed by Freddie Mercury's character and um, I thought it was great. But, yeah, to actually win the best picture, it was just mind-blown for me because I really didn't expect him to take it home. I thought uh, Star is Born was probably going to 
was probably going to win it. But uh, but no, it, it, it's great. And um, I'm just amazed. I know people, you know, who have only been really passive Queen fans who've seen it four and five times. Mm. You know, um, you know, I've seen it three times, and I've enjoyed it every enjoyed it every time, and uh, and yeah, I, I can't wait to get my hands on the Blu-ray and whatever else else when it comes out because um, yeah, it, it's just uh, yeah, it, it's just a wonderful film. I really, really like it. A hundred percent agree. It's fun. It's um, it, it's musical packed. I mean, that's that's one thing I think people come back to. They know the songs, so they come back and listen to it. But also, the life of Freddie is is interesting, and the band as well, of course, and the mm. formation of Queen. But oh, I tell you, did like, I think that uh, Rami Malek, I think, brought to it um, a, certain, a sort of sense of energy and uh, earnestness, to I suppose, to the um, performance. But one of the interesting things is, I've been sort of seeing him coming along in the different TV shows he's worked in. Now, he worked in the Pacific yeah. out here, which I thought he did uh, fantastic with, with, of course, which was kind of like a sequel to Band of Brothers, uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I know my, my brother loved that because um, at the time we were, I was working um, night shifts, and uh, when the Pacific came out, we would always watch those basically for my breakfast time when they're on TV. <laughs> so we sit there going, "Righto, whereabouts are they then? Uh, near Singapore." All right, okay, cool. And they, you know, they're doing what they're doing, and um, just the work. I mean, obviously, this was all short uh, shot up near Port Douglas or wherever it was. Uh. Um, which is, you know, interesting. We've got all these, like, Hacksaw Ridge shot out here as well, you know, and um, yep. oh, there's a numerous... There's even one at Pimpermar here on the Gold Coast that was... Um, yes, that's here. right, yep. The, uh, the Raid. What was the Raid? Yes, was the Raid, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think was, so, yeah. Oh, it was Martin Chalkus. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was there. Gary Sweet. <laughs> of course. Yeah. He's trying. Gary's and everything. No. Yeah, yeah. He's got his little M1 carabine. Right, guys, get over there. I'm like, is bloody hell do this, eh? <laughs> you know, yeah. But, um, yeah, he just shows, obviously, the location. But, yeah, no, I love Rami's performance, and um, I just think the whole package is it's great. I have not seen A Star Is Born yet, but I'm very keen no, to I mean, see that too. Uh, yeah. Look, because Bradley Cooper's, oh, for me, you know, look, I, I suppose I haven't seen all of his work over the years but from what i've seen it's always been entertaining and he puts his heart into it he's from the actor's studio so he obviously does quite a bit of work but you know again it's, it's great I've, I've i've loved um we're seeing so it to see a musical one it's going to be interesting yeah exactly because oh, bradley uh cooper he directed star was born as well mm. i think that, i think he, he as well so um you know if, um he's probably a you know new up-and-coming talent that there is so um yeah I'll, I'll we'll get around to seeing it some stage it's just it's just been so much you know happening in life and um it's been a bit difficult to get there but uh but uh not so difficult to see bohemian rhapsody three times though so. oh yeah oh yeah now we're talking yeah. about an interesting year heading into star yep. wars new obviously December is going to be bringing about the end of the Skywalker saga. But before we get to that, what are we leading up to it? What films are going to be leading us that way? Well, we've got the likes of Roma, Hellboy, Aquaman uh, already come out. Uh, Aquaman, uh, arguably, uh, you know, an interesting but overblown, fantastical DC film. Again, DC can't land these films the way they need to be. I think they really need to look at their story group and regroup a little bit maybe not go and spend all that money. the other one james cameron's year ahead of us battle angel uh-huh. leader with robert rodriguez so there's a lot of big films but which one is going to you know try and go head to head with jj abrams uh next film it's gonna be interesting 
Well, I mean, I think uh, it's been really good for Aquaman uh, this, at the moment not having Star Wars this December because um, I think you wouldn't have been seeing the numbers for Aquaman that um, you would have if Star Wars would have been out this this year. Whether or not Solo would have um, pulled in those sorts of numbers or not, but it still would have been uh, competition because I really think you know they should have released Solo at Christmas and uh, yeah. given the film another bit, another six months to you know. Uh, tighten it up and fix whatever needed fixing and you know just uh um yeah just just relaxed a little bit and just got it out there because i think we'd have seen uh, bigger numbers at christmas time but uh yeah really uh, that has really worked in aquaman's favor not having star wars at christmas and yeah I mean, look star wars was missed this year mm-hmm. um we've just gotten used to having uh, a star wars december and um i'm really looking forward to getting back to that this christmas but um you know, I, and I've said before on our show on that that uh, that we really need a break. We really need the yeah. um, the eighteen month breather. But I mean, we've we've got plenty of Star Wars coming up. Besides that, you know, we've we've got um, a new television series coming out as well. Um, yeah, we've had the uh, the, the Resistance television show, uh, animated show, um, and whatever else is you know well. Over in America, of course, we've got Star Wars Land opening up in Disneyland in both uh, both locations. Um, so yeah, it is a huge year for Star Wars this year. And, but I think yeah, we've really needed that you know a little bit of breathing space to sort of miss it again. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what the year brings. But um, yeah, yeah, bring it on. I think that at the end of the day, um, Episode Nine will be probably the biggest movie of the year. Uh, box office wise anyway I, I predict so definitely i mean obviously we we already know that we're getting more luke we're getting a little bit more this a little bit more that we're getting um some interesting castings added to this we've got a doctor in this doctor who who what uh, matt smith <laughs> yep. and of course i've got to give a nod while we're at it to the the two doctor fanatics themselves the one the whovians um, that is, of course, Kevin the Raider Nerd, Reitzel and Carl Wagner over at FPN, because uh, they absolutely love it. And of course, I did a little bit of artwork to throw it back at them, you know, a bit Hoovians last night. But I've got to say to the fellas, they love it. And go and check out their show on the network called The One, The Only Type 40 with Dan Hadley. Uh-huh. They absolutely love it over there. But anyway, getting back to it, yeah, I think one of the interesting things is we've got, obviously, the returning cast. Um, you know, yep. it, decidedly, Last Jedi is what it is. It's it's a love it or hate it film for a lot of fans. Um, and I think it's I think if anything, it's really given um, JJ a bit of um, an interesting challenge to you know what kind of uh, resolution is he going to give not only for this trilogy uh, oh. but for two other trilogies. It's wrapping up everything. Yeah. Well. Um... Yeah, like, yeah, he's really got, really had his work cut out for him. Now, look, with, as far as The Last Jedi is concerned, you know, I I was sort of in two minds when I first saw it, but over the last 12 months, I've really grown to love it. Mm-hmm. Really love, grown to love it. Um, yeah, look, Canto Bite aside, yeah, there were there are parts, but there, but there is dumb stuff in every Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. so, you know, that's not really, really an excuse. I mean, you know, I always say, can you imagine how social media would have gone on the meltdown if it existed when Return of the Jedi came out. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, oh, my gosh, they've got a second, another Death Star, uh, little teddy bears, Princess <laughs> Leia in a bikini, da-da-da-da-da. I mean, it would have just gone nuts. So, no, that's right. Um, 
Yeah, exactly. And in, in all reality, you know, I, I've really come to appreciate and enjoy the film and uh, Luke's journey, especially. I mean, to me, he was in that movie as what a Jedi would be, as a Jedi. He is mm-hmm. was a Jedi. I mean, you know, he's not 25 years old anymore. And, uh, you know, he, he, his journey was, for me, very satisfying. And mm. um, so I'm really looking forward. Yes, I mean, look, J.J., has been handed a lot of, you know, red herrings to sort out. I mean, he, you know, he set it up at the end of a Force, The Force Awakens as a great launching pad into mm. something that everybody wasn't expecting. So now he's got to tie all these loose ends together. I'm hoping that we're getting like a three-and-a-half-hour movie. Oh, yeah. Because I think it's I think it's going to need to be. Yeah. You know, I don't, and, I, and I don't want to split into part one or two and two because, you know, people are going to be absorbed by this, this thing. And, look, in all seriousness, I believe... It's going to be a satisfying conclusion, but it's going to open up that much discussion online. It's going to make the Last Jedi, you know, look like a, a, a weekly television show. Because um, <laughs> no, I'm serious. The stuff yeah. that that's probably on the plate with JJ, uh, as far as Luke is concerned, is just going to be mind blowing. Yeah. You get never going to see the Force used in any other way before. Even you know, Princess Leia's little tiptoe through space is going to be nothing to the stuff that you're going to see in episode <laughs> nine right so um yeah I, i'm i'm yeah bring it on i'm i'm all for it i'm really going to be interested to see how he ties the whole thing up together i look i don't really think that maybe the skywalker saga will be completely finished with this you know I, i've got a feeling there may be like another five years and they may look at 10 11 and 12 perhaps I mean, look, let's face it, we weren't expecting 7, 8, and 9. The mm. Star Skywalker saga was finished with Return of the Jedi, as far as I was concerned, you know. Um, so we weren't expecting new films at all. Mm. So, because um, I really couldn't see where they could have gone after Return of the Jedi, That's really. Right. You know, it, it, it has opened up new possibilities and, and that. But, yeah, I'm just hoping, you know, and I'm sure he will. You know, it'll all be tied up. Sure, Episode Nine's going to have dumb stuff in it, too. You know, there's going to be people complaining about it when it comes out, and there always there always will be. But I've got a feeling that it's going to be. And JJ knows what he's doing, and uh, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't envy the guy at all. I mean, I'd, I'd hate, absolutely hate to, uh, you know, be in his shoes uh, trying. Yeah, you know, especially too seeing the absolute uh, the the fan reaction to episode eight. You know, who'd want to come in on that? I mean, you're gonna, and you're going to get to a point where nobody's going to want to direct Star Wars. You know, why would oh, you? Yeah. Why would you? If you're going to put yourself out there, that's going to affect basically your whole life. Every year, every from then on, you're going to be known as the guy who's done whatever to Star Wars, and surely that's got to affect whatever career prospects down the track you might have as well. You know, so um, it'd be very difficult to direct a Star Wars film, especially now, and especially because with just how toxic, you know, the fan base is, and uh, you know, it, it is really, really sad. But unfortunately, that's the world that we're living in these days. It really is, and I think the the interesting thing is, yeah, you know, I've seen it in Star Trek only about probably what is it, not oh, ten years ago now, uh, yep. when just this is before JJ's um, first film came out. You know, Star Trek uh, has a, a very much a like a Star Wars um, fandom. Uh, you know, there's either you, you know you're in there's full on fans who uh, follow it religiously, others who might might read the books or whatever it is. But um, very, there's a lot of opinionated um, views on whether you know whatever, whichever way on each thing, and it's interesting with Star Trek that we kind of saw that when JJ came in, 
and sort of, I suppose, made it more mainstream to a certain extent. Um, made it, made Star it ex- Wars is what he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he did. He really did. He made it, um, as they said on one of the documentaries uh, for the first film, that was 2009 film, it was, you know, Star Trek is a classical music as compared to rock and roll, and he brought the rock yep. and roll. Uh, yep. and, and people got to really know, um, you know, I suppose, Trek in a, in a big way. And, you know, he really blew it open uh, to, so that it made it more accessible for everyone to be able to watch those things. And I think, you know, Star Wars was always accessible, but now it's even more accessible to such a wide variety of amazing fans out there to check out. And I think we've maybe some of them got a little bit too precious about Star Wars and have forgotten to enjoy it. See, the thing is, it's the instant gratification that we have in our society these days. I mean, push a button and bang, you've got the information. Bang, you've got whatever you want. Bang, you can buy something right now and it turns up in a day or two days' time at your house. You know, kids these days, like when you and I were growing up, when we were growing up, um, you had to wait for stuff. Mm -hmm. We didn't have this instant stuff. We saw a little bit on television. G'day, mate. How you going? This is Adam O'Brien, and welcome to Fandom Podcast Network, here where we enjoy all forms of fandom. Well, coming to you live from Quinlan's Cantina in the Gold Coast of Australia, I bring you Lethal Mullet Podcast, an Australian look at the great action films from the 1980s. That's right, going back to that beloved time when we had Chuck Norris on almost every Friday night here in Australia, kicking, punching, and shooting his way to the top alongside Jean-Claude Van Damme, Arnold Schwarzenegger and the likes of many of the others that came after him. Sylvester Stallone. We even look at some of the heroes you may not know all here on one fortnightly podcast here on the Fandom Podcast Network. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can check it out also on Podbean if you've got the Podbean app. Make sure you check it out. Now, let's get into the episode here on Phantom Podcast Network. Joining me on the next episode of The Panther from Down Under will be, of course, Blair Hiscock for part two of his chat here, and uh, we'll be looking at what he's been up to with My Saga, and of course what he's been doing with Pops Culture, and in Star Wars Phantom in Australia. Also upcoming in the next couple episodes will be also Adam Bray returning to chat to us about his experiences as a writer and an explorer of the world, that's right. And uh, you can also check out the rest of the amazing shows and content of Fanta Tracks at 
fanthatracks.com. You can also check Fanthatracks Radio on SoundCloud and iTunes. And if you're going to give a review, please give it on the iTunes uh, channel because I tell you what, that will help us grow and give you more content because guess what? More Because more podcasts are on the way. That's right. So stay tuned to fanthatracks.com for all the info on that and more. And of course, Mooncat Drums is one of those that's going to be doing a podcast. So stay tuned. You can catch up with me, Adam O'Brien, the Fanther from Down Under, at Obi Pop Culture. That's the handle at both Twitter and Instagram where you can find all sorts of fandom I chat about on there. And you can also check out my other show, Celebrating 80s Action Cinema, Lethal Mullet Podcast on Fandom Podcast Network. 